Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars, and I am joined by my co-hosts, starting with Dirk. Oh, yay. I'm Dirk, and uh, I wrote the Paternus Trilogy, and I have nothing else to offer other than that. Mike Lacker. What? Oh, uh, hi, I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Path Trilogy. And Rob. Uh, I'm Rob J. Hayes, and I'm the author of, we'll go with the Mortal Techniques uh, series. Heck yeah. And we are joined again by special guest, Brian Stanley. Hi, I'm Brian. Uh, my first book was The Emperor's Blades, and my most recent book, which came out last month, is The Empire's Ruin, which is the beginning of a new trilogy set in the same world. Awesome. Uh, I actually wanted to kind of, so for this episode, I thought we'd talk a little bit about your writing process, Brian, because I always love hearing how different authors approach it. And mm-hmm. the place I kind of wanted to start is, so The Empire's Ruin is, you said it was 304,000 words long. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> how the heck do you write something so long and not go insane? Uh I've been wanting to write shorter books for a while just because you get paid the same amount of money for a short book as for a long book. It's like if somebody said, if I was a stone wall builder and they were like, we're going to pay you a hundred bucks to build a stone wall. Do you want to build a wall that's 50 yards long or 500 yards long? And for some (laughs) reason, I'm going to do the longer wall, please. But let's let's keep the fee the same. I don't know why I, I do that. But um I guess it's built into, in my mind, it's built into the idea of an epic, which is is kind of globe spanning. The stakes are very high. I want to have a, a lot of different locations, characters moving from, um, you know, from one scene to another. And it just takes a lot of time to uh, to do it all. <clears throat> so if I'd stuck, if I stuck with one POV character, the books would be a lot shorter, but I like having disparate POVs converge um, and have elements of the story that, that seem initially unrelated um, start to resolve as different facets of the same uh, of the same plot. That's that's like a pleasure that I derive from writing, and so that just 
in order to have that happen, you need to have the multiple POVs and then each one of them kind of demands things of its own in terms of world building and character development. And then before you know it, you've written a 300,000 word book. And you hate yeah, in order to sort of explore it fully, you, you know, the idea, the world, the characters, you, you've got to have a bit of a, a longer one. And I suppose with traditional publishing as well, it's, they're more focused towards trilogies rather than extended series that go on for like, you know, six or seven or eight books or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, I think no publisher wants to get, I mean, if, you're, if your series is uh, The Eye of the World or Game of Thrones, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they're excited for it. But no publisher wants to get tied to an eight book or 10 book or 15 book series because what if you what if you start being shitty halfway through <laughs> right then they're like kind of, some of them do yeah yeah absolutely um, i mean i i initially pitched to tour um a seven book series and my editor at the time the guy who was acquiring the books was like no we've like literally never heard of you you've written one book asshole you can have three <laughs> books you can like it um which which in in retrospect i'm incredibly grateful for because I think there's a way, you know, in the beginning, in the, in the first book or book and a half of a trilogy, you know, all the plot lines are kind of ramifying and, and, and developing, moving outwards, and then you have to bring it all back together. And I was barely, like, that was a heavy lift for me. I didn't anticipate how difficult that would be. And so if I had had three books to, to make the world complicated and multifaceted, I would have just been fucked. Um, <laughs> I just think that's like it's you know, the point where they spread out too much and you're like, I don't yeah, know how to do it yeah. anymore. Well, it was like, you know, when Brandon Sanderson took over the wheel of time, I really appreciated how, like, in his first book, he was he obviously was like, okay, so there's you know, 12,000 named characters who have their own plot arts. I'm just gonna kill like 80% of them right now. <laughs> and, like it was just so so programmatic. He was like, these guys are all dead. He was like, that character that you kind of were curious about, dead. That character dead. Dead, 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 dead by a frolic, dead by a horse, dead by a brick falling off a thing, drowned in the ocean, drowned in the pool, these assholes are all dead. Now, back to a manageable cast of characters, I'm going to finish the trilogy, or, you know, not the trilogy, but the whatever, 14 books or whatever it was. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's you got all these secondary characters and tertiary characters and, like, secondary plot threads, and at a certain point, I freezed him again. Oh no, we ah. lost Ryan. Right. That was a good book. Oh, sorry, Brian. It just cut, it cut out for about 10 seconds there where you were saying at a certain point. Oh, um, yeah. At a certain point, you have to bring it all back together. Mm. Um, and so I, that's just a long-winded way of saying I'm grateful that I was not allowed to write seven books. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is a good point. Uh, I'm curious, yeah. like, how do you keep a level of endurance throughout such a long writing process because like for me personally I'm just coming up to finishing this interactive fiction game which is about 200,000 words at the moment it's the longest thing I've ever written and there's been times in it where it has been difficult because you're just working on the same story for such a huge period of time how do you kind of manage to keep yourself going through a process that presumably takes quite a long time how long did it actually take to write probably the first draft of that of um of Empire's Ruin yeah well, funny story about Empire's Ruin. I wrote the whole book, um, hmm. a whole different book, and it was off to tour and my editor had accepted it and they sent it to the copy editor and they'd sent me a check. I actually don't think the check got to me, it got to my agent. And my agent called me up on like at like 10 o'clock on Friday night and she was like, Brian, this book sucks. And I was like, no. oh, damn, damn it. Huh? She's, she's like the best agent, Hannah Bowman. She's brilliant and amazing and yeah. can do wrong in my mind. 
so I was like, oh, does it really, like, it really sucks? And she's like, it really sucks. And yeah. so we, we were like trying to brainstorm ways of fixing it. Like, well, what if you pulled out this plot line or put this in or killed this guy? Or I don't know, I don't even remember what we were thinking. But in the end, we were like, no, it's irredeemable. It's just a big fat pile of trash that you spent two years of your life writing. Um, so we threw it out. And, uh, and I was like, do we have to send back the check? And she was like, yeah, well, you probably should send back the check since you're not giving it. <laughs> <laughs> so we sent back the check, which was painful, and um, said, you can have another book, a better book in a year. And so I started over and uh, rewrote it. It's much better now. It's a bit, if, you're, if, you're, if you are uh, listening to this podcast and you're wondering whether to buy it, that was the shitty book. You don't have to deal with the new book is, I think, quite good. It's good, yeah. Um, so I've five chapters into the new one so far, and it's pretty damn good so far. So yeah. okay, all right, okay, thank you. That's good. That's good to hear. I did because I don't think I could throw out another one. It's too late now. <laughs> can't, can't just run around the country burning copies <laughs> of it. So that's that's an amazing that's an amazing lesson there in in uh, in simply you know not giving up. I mean there are mm -hmm. I mean there are a whole lot of writers who would have just quit at mm -hmm. that point just i mean because two years all that work and then yeah. uh that had to be really hard i mean i remember uh, you know I, I thought my book three was going to be about one hundred eighty thousand words and it ended up to 235 oh wow and i remember just sitting there going oh my god i mean i got yeah. to the point i got to the point where i thought i was just like a robot sitting there writing and i'm like i know i have to fit i know i have to you know clean up all these threads and take care of all these characters and and, yeah. and answer all these questions that I written yeah. that, I, that I had and and I'm just like and this is this sucks this is just terrible and I'm writing and writing and writing and then and then the editing prop the re because I'm a rewriter because my first drafts are just shit and, and and there was a point where I actually after a couple of, after just a few days of going through and then going through the proofing notes where I literally took the manuscript and threw it on the floor and said, I'm done, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, but of course I, 10 minutes later, I picked it five minutes, two minutes down. later, I picked it back up and kept going. Yeah. But, yeah. And, it, and it got finished, but I had already pushed the release date a couple of days. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's a, the thing. a couple of, a couple of times. And I just was like, oh, yeah. I feel up against that too. Yeah, no, it's. I wasn't sure if I there was a, there were times when I wasn't sure I wanted to ever write again. Now, mm -hmm. once I got it done, right, yeah. and I knew it was ready to release within yeah. you know within minutes, I'm like, yeah, what's next? What's next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's the feeling. Absolutely. Those, yeah, those uh, for for people, we have a lot of authors that listen uh, and and people that want to write uh, and new authors. So, for people that uh, that get those feelings. We all do, I think. Yeah, the oh, takeaway yeah. is that writing basically sucks, but we're going to do it anyway. It can, well, I mean, it can suck. It can yeah. be. You can have truly joyous days oh, where, absolutely. you know, I'm really happy with this and the way yeah. things are going, but there are dark times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, like, in terms of the endurance question, I do a lot of, um, like, long kind of mountain runs and, and mountain events. Um, do you do the... the, the, uh, the what do they call those things? The hundred milers? I haven't done a hundred miler, but I've done um, my like cousin you know, and my cousin and some friends do those. Yeah, yeah. I've done sort of multi-day, multi-sport events. So like you're up for sixty hours or seventy hours or whatever. And I've also done just shorter, um, you know, like 30, 40 mile 
trail races. But anyway, just it's sort of prosaic, but it's the thing that I think most people do. I do it and I sort of do it with writing too. It's just, if you think about the whole project, you're just like, I don't even want to do, I don't want to get out of bed. Right. But you, you break it down and you've seen the maps and you kind of know, okay, we, I got to get to this pass by this time. And then I'm going to get to this lake and then I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm going to get, get some nutrition. You know what I mean? And so if you just think of the next thing that you have to do. One it, thing at a time. One, one at a time. That one next thing that you can, you can do the next thing. And I mean, often in a race, I'm like, there's no way I'm finishing this race, but I'm not dead now. So I will just get to the next aid station. And I'm like, I'm still not finishing the race, but I'll just go to get down to the Valley. Cause I got, I mean, I got to get out of here anyway. So might as well jog that. And then I'm like, I'm still not finishing. And then finally you get to a point where you're like, okay, maybe I will finish the race. <laughs> and I think book writing, I think is a little, a little like that. If you, if you sat down and thought, of all of the hundreds of thousands, millions of decisions you're going to have to make, I, I would just be paralyzed. But I'm like, I can write an opening paragraph for this character, and then I can probably write a little bit of dialogue. <laughs> um, also reminds me of moving. I hate moving, like moving houses. And like the last time I moved, it this shit in my house seemed never ending. And I was like, I just kept repeating myself. If I keep putting things in boxes, eventually everything will be in a box. Yeah. And then I was like, if I keep putting boxes in the U-Haul, eventually everything will be in the U-Haul. And that's kind of like writing too. <laughs> yeah. One, yeah, one other thing, this is kind of a, a, a side thing, but uh, because, uh, because a lot of our listeners are also indie authors, mm -hmm. we talk about length of books, right? And how uh, in trad publishing, they, they, they might say, yeah, we don't want it to be less than this, but we really yeah. rather not be longer than this yeah. or, or they're, they're pretty open. Um, and there are, there are a whole lot of indie, uh, indie people. And I'm not saying this is necessarily the way to go, but because of KU reads mm -hmm. uh, and because of audiobook deals with say podium or things yeah. like that, they want to have these bigger. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm on contract to write a book for Wraithmarked um, Creative right now. And um, uh, they, 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 they want a minimum for each book in the trilogy at 175. Oh, wow. Wow. 175,000 okay. words. And the reason for that is that they have an ongoing deal, um, first look deal with Podium. And books, audio books that come out at that particular, that, that, that come out a particular length at that word count are optimum uh, uh -huh. uh, for for sales because yeah. people people get the credits and they want to get yes yes out. oh um, yeah I've I've talked to people about much, that too yeah much might, too much might freak them out um, but too little they're like I'm going to go for this longer book yeah I don't want to spend a whole credit just yeah, on, on, on and, eight and hours with, yeah and with Ku reads um, if you can put out shorter books faster. You can do real well, but if you're putting out books uh, a little bit farther apart, larger uh, word counts give you more, you'll make more money uh, per read um, on those books because you get paid by the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's such an interesting model. Um, yeah. yeah. And I so guess, yeah. I just wanted to mention that. It's a good point. Yeah. I've uh, got a calculator up just to illustrate this super quickly. So across the Broken Stars, which is a book that I've written up here, 
80,000 words long. For a full read through that of Kindle Unlimited, you'd be looking at about $2.10. For something like Dragon Mage, which is by ML Spencer and is about uh, two and a half times longer than that, you would be looking at, you know, close to like $5 for a complete read through of that entire book. Wow. So, so if somebody reads that whole book, you get five bucks. That's right. That's, yeah. So it's about love, zero point. Yeah. yeah. It's about yeah, 0.45 cents per page. Um, and the Kindle pages are calculated a little bit differently to mm -hmm. a regular book page, but you can find uh, calculators online yeah, that help with that. Mysterious way of calculating, but. Yeah, because uh, it's based on, um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one to consider because it's like, if you're, you know, doing really short lines and doing a lot of new paragraphs, does that make your book uh, longer? Um, I'm not sure, because you would hope it's not, it's, way not word, it's not word count. Uh, it's page count. Um, <laughs> it is word count, and there was a big stink for a while because people were uh, people were putting extra spaces between every paragraph. My God, Kindle yeah. really cracked down on that. Uh, yeah, for a lot of ways, people were trying to to pack their page counts, their cake, uh -huh. their cake. So, and tea. Um, so if if how much would I get for a full read through of The Empire's Ruin? So you said that's about three hundred thousand words, right? Yeah. So that would be, let me just do 300 divided by 80. So that's three. Is this where we tried to sell Brian on like becoming indie now? Yeah. <laughs> so that's about 3.75 times longer than Across the Broken Stars, which is 470 KU pages, which means uh, okay. you would be looking at, uh, what did I say that was? So 3.75 times 470. So it's about 1,760 KU pages long, which is uh, about... Eight dollars for a full wow. week. Sign yeah. me up. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> and then here's the cool I mean thing, the other right? thing to take into account, I think, um, that has been proven pretty pretty successfully is that uh, it's a completely different market. The yes. the Kindle Unlimited readers are an entirely different market to oh, like is that right? Interesting. traditional uh, people who read traditional books mostly. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's always gonna be some crossover, but uh, a, a huge majority of the people who read on Kindle Unlimited only read on Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, um, well, damn. Uh, Some, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. Have Especially since, um, yeah, because for a full trilogy, right? Like that's 24 bucks for every person yeah. who's going through that book. And also it's effectively free for each reader coming into it because they're already signed up for KU. They've already put their money down for it. Are you it. working on Australian dollars though, Jed? No, this is American dollars. So okay. It works even better if you're in a country where the conversion rate is pretty good, like Australia. Because for me, that'd be like, 30 Australian dollars for a full read through for that thing. Um, yeah. So Monopoly money. Worth, um, looking into, cause I know obviously a bit of a different category, but I think um, the Harry Potter books do like are in Kindle unlimited and traditionally published and they might get some benefits from Kindle. I thought you could only do Kindle unlimited if you, I thought that was like an exclusive thing. You yes. can be in that program. So no, for Indies you are, but um, they do, uh, Amazon do do deals with uh, traditional publishing houses. Yeah, you guys do get a little bit of special treatment if you like are, are bigger and you have like a, a track record of sales. Have seen that before. Haven't had personal experience yeah. with it. So don't know how that goes. But yeah, like um, KU is can be pretty good for long books. Even though it is exclusive, uh, it's only exclusive for the ebook. You can still sell uh -huh. hardbacks yeah, and paperbacks yeah. wherever you want, and audiobooks uh -huh. as well wherever you want to. And um, only yeah. and only in and only in that language. So if I yeah, were to yeah. if I were to have my book my ebook translated to German, that would be a completely different book. Uh -huh. Counted as a completely yeah. different book, and I could do that wherever yeah. I want. 
Yeah, same, same. Yeah. If you ever yeah. want to do a side indie project, talk to us. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I came to the right place. Yeah, love it. Love it. I love the way Dirk has just completely derailed this uh this episode. What were we talking about? Brian's writing process. Um it's look, that's great stuff though. That's great stuff. This all affects your writing process. It does, it does absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you yeah, I mean. We can talk all about the artistic elements all we want, and those are real, but there's also a business and you want to make some money. So it, it, thinking about that is also, I think, deeply relevant. Yeah. <laughs> but I would be curious to know about a bit more of your writing process as well. Like, are you, when it comes to developing your ideas for stories, are you in the outliner camp? Are you in the pantser camp? Are you somewhere in between? Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's very, I'm not an outliner. I mean, every now and then Tor wants an outline. It's always like a funny... A, a funny fiction that we share between us where I'm like okay and then I give them an outline they're like this is cool are you gonna do any of this I'm like no <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but glad glad we did that uh so I've tried but it just um you know this kind of comes back to the to the um world building that we were talking about in the last episode so much of uh the story comes out of the imaginative effort necessary to make the story that I'm always trying to figure out how, you know, okay, so, you know, what are the funerary practices in Dombang? Oh, okay, so there's a crematorium. Oh, okay. Suddenly I have a whole new element of the story that I couldn't possibly have figured out before because I hadn't gotten myself to that point in the imaginative process yet. Um, and I'm like always just uncovering these new veins of ore that I'm like, oh, I need to mine this this is not a thing that i thought would happen and conversely i'm always running i always think i know what i'm going to do and then i'm running into dead ends because um like in the first trilogy i have this character named balan he's a, a kind of a navy seal guy fantasy navy seal um and i had a a, a rough arc for him which was going to be um he was going to be kind of a cadet and then experience some some trials and some setbacks but then emerge as this kind of like competent awesome commander by the end but the decisions he made at the end of book one and all through book two, when I when it came time to sort of rehabilitate him, I couldn't do it. I, I kept trying to write these these chapters where I was like, okay, now we pivot. Now he starts his ascent. And it just, I kept bouncing off of those chapters because they didn't feel honest. It was like, no, this guy, like, he's murdered some people now. He's gotten some other dudes killed. He's betrayed some stuff that he thought he believed in. It's not like just... He, you know, he hears a rousing speech and he gets back on the horse and everything's okay. He's fucked up at this point. And so I, then I'm like, okay, so now I have this, one of my three main characters, definitely the most popular character at that point. What do I do with this guy? Um, and, and that's where like another character kind of came in and stole his, his third act. Um, that's Gwenna. Uh, and there's a scene between the two characters where Valen looks at her near the end of the third book and he's like, she has my life. Like that is the life that I was supposed to have. And that was like definitely an authorial observation because she literally stole his character arc. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it, awesome is one word for it. Terrifying is another word because it's always like, I don't, okay, I think I'm gonna do this thing. And then turns out, oh no, I'm doing an, an entirely different thing that I did not warn myself about. And Combining uh, those multiple character arcs uh, and storylines that converge at the end of a book, combining that with pantsing, 
that really is terrifying. Yeah. I like oh, how, I was like, I, they're all going to, all these stories are going to come together. Like how? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause I, I have joking. like a moment at the end of every book where it's like a beautiful mind in my house where the, I've got like a whiteboard <laughs> and like post-it notes everywhere. And I'm like, just in my boxers, like sweating, walking around, like trying to just be like, I know it's all there. I, I, I've learned to sort of trust that if I build interesting elements, meaning interesting characters, interesting locations, interesting um, artifacts, there will be a way to make it awesome. Um, but holy shit, it is not, it cannot be the best way to do this. Um, You're waiting for that one sort of moment of inspiration, aren't you, where you just go, it all works, yeah. it all yeah. fits <laughs> yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And until and, that uh, happens, you're just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I just I mean, I don't hard. know how this fits together. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think I've ever had that. <laughs> well, I think I mean, at the end of at, at the, 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 there are events at the end of my, my third book that it was like suddenly I was realizing, and I'm an outliner, but I re outline. I have no problem with that. No problem. I was realizing the timing of certain things happening. They all affected all each. affected each other. Oh yeah, timing is another whole and, kettle and of shit. And I had to step back. All of a sudden I'm getting echo. Yeah, yeah. what's happening? Um I don't know. I don't, Ryan, do you have from? any headphones you could plug in by any chance? Do I? Or Dirk, do you have any headphones you could well, plug in? I do, but it wasn't doing this before and it stopped now. Okay, we'll just continue and hopefully we find. No, don't worry about it. We'll see. And I, had, I had to stop and and rearrange a whole bunch of things because there were certain things. This character can't go there because the bad guy's still in there. He's got to leave, and these people can't do this yet because that'll affect this. And it's just like I had so many characters and so many storylines that I had to stop and step back and have that beautiful mind moment where I just had yeah. to. I actually started handwriting and saying, okay. Mm -hmm. I do that too, yeah. These things and how do I make this work? And then still it was like, okay, I think this works. So I put it all yeah. together and I never knew until people started reading it and said, yeah, okay, it works. I like I like I mean, leaving myself un, unhelpful notes in my documents. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so when I come back to it later, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, what was that about? <laughs> I don't know. Helpful. I mean, I, I will say, um, I've made it sound totally haphazard on my end and it, and it kind of is, but it, I also think of it a little bit uh, like playing chess strategically where, you know, you don't know necessarily when you double your rooks on an open file, why that's going to be good later. Like you don't, even if I don't have a plan at that point, because I'm not a very good chess player, but I'm like, I just know that probably my options are going to be better if I have those rooks doubled on that file, or probably my options are going to be better if I have a certain pawn structure on the queen's side, or probably my options are going to be better if I just develop some of my pieces early. So I think that I approach writing kind of like that, like, you know, when, you know, for instance, I had a scene where or a moment in, I think the second book where I had a big, big group of characters, I needed to send them off into three small groups. And in making the small groups, all I did was think like, what are the most interesting groups? I wasn't thinking about plot at all, um, but I was like, which characters are gonna fight and, and struggle with each other in the most interesting ways? I'm not just gonna put together like these three who like each other and these three who get along and these three, you know? And, and 
that was just kind of like, I think one of those strategic decisions. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to them or how it's all going to play out exactly with the plot, but I'm probably in a better position if I have this, this triumvirate together rather than this other triumvirate. It's probably better if I've castled early. I don't know why, but you know, I don't know what's going to happen later in the game that makes that important, but I played enough chess to know that I don't want my King just floating around in the, you know, in the mid game, um, and, and the same thing with a book, there, there's certain decisions that I feel like I can make where I'm like, I don't know how this will pay off, but this decision is more likely to pay off than these other hundred decisions that I could make about this same issue, if that makes sense. So yeah, just you know, thinking about folks who might be watching this who are, are doing their own writing, I don't wanna overstate the degree of chaos. There's plenty of chaos, but there's like, you can still make the best decision at the time without exactly knowing how that decision will play out. It's like, if you're running an ultra marathon, you should probably eat every something every hour um, or every 90 minutes. Even if you don't feel like you need, that's just, you don't know how it's gonna play out later, but it's not gonna hurt you to eat something then. So. Sounds like planned chaos then. Yeah, well, it's kind of like you, you know, like the principles behind it, right? Like you're saying, Look, I don't know if these characters are going to have conflict together, but it is a good idea to put characters together who have very different moral views of the world because that can yes. lead to interesting things down the line. Um, yeah. And then sending them to interesting locations as well. You're like, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but I've set up five mm -hmm. cool things about this place and maybe yes. one of them yes. will bounce off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is, to the extent that I have a method, that is the method. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. Well, I think this is a good plot a good spot to uh, wrap up this episode um so thank you everybody for watching or listening if you want to support the show on patreon head to patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words rob do you want to mention the patreon thing that you were yeah saying yeah about? uh i don't know when this episode is going to be going out but if uh you head to patreon you can probably pick up a arc copy of spirits of vengeance uh now i would imagine yeah so if you cool. sign up to our patreon uh, not only are you supporting the show and helping us uh, fund it to continue but you're also getting access to cool things like free advanced reader copies of our books, such as Spirits of Vengeance by our very own Rob J. Hayes. The cover uh, so of which is insane. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any art like in, in the house at the moment. So it's it's just been shared on like Twitter and Facebook so far, but uh, it's it's pretty good. I don't think I've seen it yet. I've got to check that out. Um, I'll look at that. Oh, the, when cover, we... the cover is amazing. Felix yeah. Ortiz really I mean, outdated. <laughs> Felix never does bad covers, so, you know. <laughs> he, Previous uh, he guest, does. Felix Ortiz. That's yeah, right. We've got to give him that lovely moniker. And creator of the cover art for this very podcast as well. So the logo for this is by Felix. Um, sweet. So, all right, this is a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, folks. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Paul. Cheers for tuning in to Wizards, Warriors, and Words. Did you know that I host another writing advice podcast called The Novel Analyst? Every episode, I analyze one of my favorite books to extract useful writing lessons. You might like to start with episode 46, where I analyze the brilliant dynamics behind Rob J. Hayes' eclectic crew in his grimdark fantasy book, Never Die. Or maybe you'd prefer my episodes on Mistborn, Harry Potter, or The Gutter Prayer. Either way, there's over 50 episodes for you to listen to right now. All you have to do is search for The Novel Analyst on your podcast player or go to anchor.fm forward slash novel analyst to start listening now. Enjoy. 
And we'll be back next week with another episode of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.